Chapter One of David Ransom's Watch. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. David Ransom's Watch by Pansy. Chapter One The One Exception. Miss Hannah Stearns stood before the sideboard in her father's dining room, engaged in what she mentally called setting things to rights. She had been absent from home for nearly three months, an unprecedented experience with her, and during that time there had been innovations. The silver water cooler that had always stood at the right-hand corner was now at the left, and the handsome old-fashioned silver cake basket, which should occupy the centre, was pushed quite to one side to make room for a pert little fruit dish of modern shape. Miss Hannah carefully rearranged everything, but felt indulgent toward the disorder. Mrs. Austin, careful housekeeper as she was, had undoubtedly done very well during the methodical daughter's absence. The house looked better than could have been expected, although, of course, there were many minor details to be looked after now that the real mistress had returned. She was enjoying the work of restoring it to exact order. The sideboard drawers gave her the most of a shock. Grandmother's solid silver dessert spoons, more than a hundred years old, tumbling about with modern ones. That must be some of Lucy's doings, was Miss Stern's mental exclamation. Mrs. Austin would never have allowed it, and Miranda would have known better. That girl doesn't look to me as though she had mind enough to think of much besides her pretty face with its silly little curls. If I keep her, she will have to put those curls out of sight, at least while she is around the kitchen. Curls and cooking don't go well together, in my opinion. As these thoughts floated through her mind, she glanced complacently at the reflection of herself in the sideboard mirror. Everything about her could undoubtedly be said to go well together. She was in the neatest of morning costumes, a grey and white print dress, with the grey predominating, made with severe plainness, as in her opinion a housekeeper's morning dress should be. It was just short enough to clear the floor and give glimpses of her strong, well-fitting shoes. Her abundant hair, of so dark a brown as to be almost worthy of being called black, was drawn neatly back from her face and so carefully confined by pins that a stray lock was impossible. In the matter of dress, as in other ways, Miss Stearns was a strong contrast to Lucy. The young woman who bore that name was just then engaged in sweeping the broad tree-lined path that led from the side porch to the gate. It was strewn with autumn leaves of brilliant tint, and the rosy-cheeked girl who swept had adorned herself with them. A spray of vivid crimson glowed among her curls, and a massive bunch of yellow-browns and crimsons skillfully mixed was thrust into her belt. "'The girl has an eye to effect,' commented Miss Stearns, turning for a moment from the sideboard to watch the sweeper. "'She is a pretty creature,' too pretty and too silly, I am afraid, for this dangerous world. Lace-trimmed sleeves for the kitchen, and not even an apron to protect a dress that is much too light for her work. What kind of a mother can the child have had? The woman's face grew thoughtful as she looked. 
a sense of personal responsibility for that young unprotected life shadowed her thought she shrank a little from it her life had been so full of responsibilities and heavier cares than usually came to girlhood she felt as though there ought to be a respite must she begin to think of and plan for lucy ward she recurred mentally to her father's letter received a few weeks before mrs austin has imported a pretty country lass named lucy to help her while miranda is away she is a wholesome-looking little thing and seems to be capable i am wondering if it will not be wise for us to keep her after miranda's return she has been recently orphaned i understand and is rather alone in the world she might be in training for the time when you leave us permanently your grandmother seems to take to her but you will attend to all this when you come miss hannah's face grew graver still as she recalled that phrase the time when you leave us permanently she had hours when it seemed cruel and traitorous in her to be planning to leave her father and grandmother who had been her charge for so many years she had been just sixteen when with her head bent low over her mother's pillow she had listened to the murmured words of the failing voice i am leaving you two treasures my daughter your blessed father and my own dear mother your father especially will look to you for help and comfort promise me dear that you will always put him first she remembered distinctly how she had choked back the tears and kept a firm grip on her trembling nerves and answered steadily i will do my best mother my very best the years had passed and now hannah stearns who had been since that sixteenth birthday the sole earthly comfort of father and grandmother was thirty-one never for an hour had she swerved from her trust there had been a boy friend whom the girl hannah had well liked but when at twenty-one he confided to her his desire and determination to become not only a minister of the gospel but a missionary to china hannah had sat alone for an hour looking steadily through the moonlight over in the direction of the gleaming marble that marked her mother's grave at last she had said aloud and steadily i never will mother never you need not be afraid so the boy who had dreamed of her all through his dawning manhood went to china without her and she had been his good home friend through the years knowing a little more about his mission station than any other and always being interested to receive missionary letters from him and his good wife there had been other friends one who had gone to the far west to seek his fortune and would have been glad to take hannah stearns with him to help him find it but she was firm by that time father was past fifty too old to be uprooted from the old home and seek a new one with her not to mention grandmother who was feeble and had never travelled the father had not dreamed of these sacrifices on his behalf if sacrifices they really were hannah stearns herself had not so named them she had taken these matters in hand so early that they had not fully taken root in her heart she had felt so sure where her duty was yes and her privilege that it had all been treated as a matter of course yet at thirty-one that father now past sixty 
was writing to her about the time when she should leave home permanently. Still, this time it was very different from going to China, or the far west. The city that was to be her future home was but twenty miles distant by rail. There would be nothing to hinder her from coming out every week, twice a week if necessary, to look after the comfort of father and grandmother. Moreover, she assured herself that neither of them was so very old. Grandmother at seventy-five seemed younger to her than the woman of sixty had seemed to the girl of sixteen, while father at sixty was really just in his prime. It is true he would not listen to her suggestion that he rent the farm and live in town, but he had promised to be a constant visitor, and through all the long summers of course they would all be together at the old farmhouse oh no one could say that hannah stearns was abandoning her trust yet the shadow always crept over her face at thought of the changes other people said very pleasant things of miss hannah as she had come to be called in the neighborhood it was very generally conceded that no girl had ever given herself more royally to a father than she had done through her busy school days she had steadily resisted the urgings of her classmates to board in town and all through the cold winter mornings had risen early to catch the train sometimes even when the roads were bad tramping the mile that lay between her and the village station declining invitations to remain in town overnight to certain functions on the plea that she did not like to leave father alone during the long evenings when school days were over, the young woman had developed into a notable housekeeper. So noted were her attainments in this direction, that when Miss Hobson, who had been trained by Hannah's own mother, yielded to the entreaties of a neighboring farmer and promised to become Mrs. Austin, she explained volubly to anyone who would listen, "'I couldn't ever have done it in the world if it wasn't that Hannah can do every bit as well by him now as I can myself.' she had been right the time came when even mrs austin owned that hannah could do better by them than she could herself it was ben ransom who had planned successfully to change all this life was never quite the same to hannah stearns after that morning when on her way home from town carrying many purchases tied in so awkward a bundle that the string broke and scattered them a long-limbed man had vaulted over the fence that separated the road from the pine grove and with lifted hat and winsome smile had hurried to her aid let me put them in better shape to be carried he had said as he captured them it is miss stearns is it not i am ben ransom of the firm of wilcox and harder and i ought to hurry back and have the boy discharged who made up so clumsy a package for you I have seen you several times at our store. This he seemed to consider sufficient introduction to enable him to chat gaily with her while he skillfully arranged the packages, deploring the fact that he could not collect the sugar which had burst its bounds and spread itself over the road. The street will be sweetened instead of my cake, said Miss Stearns, laughing genially. By that time Mr. Ransom was walking beside her, taking charge of the package himself. "'I hope you will let me,' he said. "'This is a legal holiday, you know, and our store is to close at eleven for the day, 
so they did not need my valuable services. I am too new at the business to be missed, and too new in the town to appreciate a holiday. Perhaps you know nothing about how dreary a thing a holiday can be to a fellow a thousand miles away from all his friends? I was trying to kill time by a tramp into the country when I saw your dilemma. I hope you will forgive me for looking upon the mishap as a special interposition of providence in my behalf. He had resisted the temptation to say to her, when she spoke of the sugar, something about her sweetening the path on which she trod without the aid of sugar, as he knew he should have done if she had been years younger, and had kept himself carefully from all kindred blunders during that walk to the Stearns' farm, and succeeded in awakening Miss Stearns's hearty sympathy for his loneliness. She had heard of the new clerk at Wilcox and Harder's, and had heard only good of him. There was no reason why she should not meet halfway his evident desire for friendliness. The acquaintance thus begun sprang rapidly into friendship. Ben Ransom, having been introduced to Mr. Stearns and cordially invited to the farmhouse, lost no time in availing himself of its hospitality. He tramped out almost daily after business hours were over, frankly admitting that the Stearns library was a magnet that it seemed impossible to resist. He had brought few books with him, which was fortunate, he told them, as his boarding-house accommodations were not spacious enough to admit of their society. After a little, he told Miss Stearns that if she had to depend upon his fellow clerks and boarding-house acquaintances for society during a single week, she would understand, as no words of his could picture it, what an oasis in his desert her home was. Miss Stearns began by being sorry for the young man in his loneliness, and ended by heartily liking him and enjoying his company. At least she thought that was the end. No one was more astonished than herself at the discovery that it went much farther. When Ben Ransom asked her in so many words to be his wife, she was at first as much dismayed over the throbbing of her own heart as she was over his unexpected appeal. What was this strange new feeling that had taken hold of her like a master? It was very different from that calm spirit of renunciation with which she had turned away from the boy who went to China, and quite unlike the dignified putting aside of the older man who went west. For a while Hannah Stearns did not understand it, but she resisted it bravely and spoke to Ben Ransom almost sharply. "'The idea! How could you be so insane as to think of such a thing for a moment?' he met her with skilful words. I know, Hannah, I know every word you and other people can say, that I am far beneath you in position and education and money and everything else, but... Of course she had to interrupt him. Oh, position and money! Why do you want to be absurd by naming such things between us? He went on as though she had not spoken but in spite of all that I can't get away from the feeling that you were meant for me and for no one else in all the world, and that I am the one who can make you happy. She was glad that he could not see how instantly her heart responded to such words. She hid her heart and spoke calmly. It is absurd, Benjamin, and you ought to know it. 
you have mistaken a cordial friendship for something stronger you should not forget even for a moment that you are speaking to a woman who is seven years older than yourself and who is sane enough to prevent you from sacrificing your youth to her even though you are willing to do it what are years he said in lofty scorn some people are younger at thirty than others are at sixteen and some men are old at twenty-four there are times when i feel myself to be a dozen years older than you but i do not believe in making mathematical demonstrations about such matters our hearts are of the same age hannah i don't believe you can deny it i am going to brave everything and declare that i believe you love me even as i do you he had his way not easily the woman in her held out long she made him go over the ground again and again she obliged him to look forward to the time when she would be a gray-haired woman of fifty and quoted as much older than that as women under such circumstances generally were while he would be spoken of as a man of about forty just in his prime for a while he was very patient with her objections and steady in his tenderness then he tried a little irritability oh if you are going to bring all the world in between us to discuss our affairs for us and be guided by what they will say i may as well stop trying to argue but i cannot think that i am to you in the slightest degree what you are to me else you would be willing to brave the opinions of all the world without giving them a second thought this at least is a matter which each individual has a right to decide for himself and at last he prevailed hannah stearns allowed herself to be convinced that to her had come the exception which but served to prove the general rule of common sense according to the fashion of her time she permitted the discreet whisper to pass among her very intimate friends that there was an engagement of marriage between her and young ransom the favorite new clerk at wilcox and harder's that popular firm celebrated the event by transferring the successful clerk to their city store and placing him at the head of one of the departments this to his intense satisfaction he explained to hannah that he might better come twenty miles by train than tramp in all weathers the one mile that had separated them and when he was not at the farm he would rather be in town End of chapter one